In over 10 years of going to shows, I've met some really interesting people along the way. Folkies, metalheads, old school punks, sweetheart singer-songwriters, and everyone in between. I figured now was as good a time as ever for me to share their stories. Conversations about music where no genre and no topic is off-limits. I'm David James Young, and all my friends are in bar bands. Baby, it's David Jim Jung here. Welcome back to all my friends are in bar bands. Hope you have all been doing well. I not so much. Uh, as you may have heard, we missed out on an episode last week on account of pretty much everything going to shit. I'm going to say uh, my internet was down for whatever reason, and uh, I was also incredibly sick at the time. Uh, due to the extreme weather we had been having. So, yeah, that was a thing that happened. Look, I could go on and on about, you know, staying true to the fucking pod, but at the end of the day, it's a podcast, and fuck off, it's free, if you're, you know, worried about missing a week or something like that. There's so many other bloody podcasts you could be listening to. <laughs> not that I'm not grateful that you listen, of course I appreciate that, but... You know, don't get up in my grill and be like, oh, where's the episode? It's just like, fuck off, it's free, you know? That's that's the attitude to really have with this whole situation. Anyway, we're here now, so let's get on with the goddamn show, shall we? Some plugs to get through first, if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, on Thursday, the 11th of June, Totally Unicorn are in Sydney. They are going to be playing at Blackwire Records, and they have got A Secret Death and Low joining them. It is going to be absolutely wild and absolutely packed, and I can't wait to see them again. Uh, I caught them at RAD last night in Wollongong, also with a secret death, and it was unbefucking leaveable. You guys are in for a massive, massive treat. If you're down the coast as well, uh, they are going to be in Batemans Bay on Saturday playing uh, the Mariners Hotel captains with Lowe, Kaleidoscope, and Jacob. So definitely pop in if you're in the area. Friday, if you're a punk fan, then you, uh, well, you're spoilt for choice, I think is the, uh, the correct phrasing. Lot going on, let's quickly get into that. Blue Line Medic are in town, they are playing a show at the factory floor with Feel Like Us and The Optionals, so a lot of old school, <laughs> late 90s, early 2000s, finger pointing and nostalgia on the market for that one. Thorax. A wonderful band signed to One Brick Today. Uh, a very brutal and very tough and, like, hard-hitting fucking band. They are they are phenomenal live, and uh, they have just put out their debut album through One Brick Today, which is really, really good, and they're going to be launching that over at Blackwire Records with a huge lineup. Nunchucker Superfly... Glory Hole, Baby Machine, and Fellow Ground are all going to be joining them for their LP launch. So definitely pop along if you're into the more 
I guess, crusty and heavy side of punk. The Decline from Perth are in town. They got a new record out. I think it comes out tomorrow, I'm pretty sure. And they're launching that at Valve Bar with local resident Failure, Nerdlinger, Ivan Drago, and Speedball. Saturday night, Sleep Makes Waves. It's the final show of their massive world tour. They've been overseas, and they've been touring all through Australia, and it all ends here tonight at the Metro Theatre, joined by This Will Destroy You out of the States, Gay Paris, and Serious Beak. It's going to be absolutely unbelievable. I can't wait. It's the biggest show that Sleep Makes Ways have ever played, and they're doing it on one of the biggest grandest stages in Sydney. So I'm really proud of those guys and I'm really stoked to be sharing that with such an exceptional bill. Also a quick plug for our guest this week. Mr. Andy Bull is playing two shows at Oxford Art Factory on the Saturday night and on the Sunday night. He will be joined by Cub Sport and Vigilantes, I believe, for these two shows. Saturday is sold out, but I believe there's still some tickets left for Sunday. So if that is of interest, then you know what to do. Also, quickly on Sunday, Mr. Serral Assembly from New Zealand are playing a show at Blackwire with Ted Danson with Wolves, Twin Rover, and Ara Fura. Super cheap and super fun little show that should be. Also, you've got the one and only Hockey Dad. Kicking off a a run of three shows at Rad Bar. They are playing on Sunday and next Saturday twice. So once during the afternoon and once at night. And all of those shows are either sold out or very close to selling out. So definitely don't, don't, don't delay if, uh... If you've been umming and ahhing about getting along to see those guys, then you should probably make a snap decision, and you should probably do that shit pretty soon. Guest on the podcast this week, it's Andy Bull, the uh, lovely, charming, intelligent, and very, very capable songwriter from Sydney, who has just been touring around the country in support of his third single, Talk Too Much from his second album, Sea of Approval. I've known Andy for a few years now. I knew him just after his debut album came out, and I've seen him go through quite a lot. I've seen him play over a dozen times in a variety of locations, including some sold-out shows along the way, and uh, some weird spots. I've seen him play in, like, beer gardens and... Yeah, just to general apathy and to complete adoration. I've seen him play in theatres, at festivals. I'd like to think I know Andy pretty well. But at the same time, doing this interview, I got to know him just that little bit better as well. So I'm really glad that I got to do that. Andy was really up for it. And uh, yeah, I think it turned out quite well. We only had a limited amount of time, and uh, just a few notes on the sound quality on this one. uh, It's recorded in three different locations, uh, because I think we got kicked out of one part of the cafeteria, then moved to the other, and then moved upstairs. (laughs) So, 
yeah, there will be a variety of uh, proximities and sounds and levels of reverb (laughs) on our voices at various points of this podcast. I think Andy's phone goes off at one point as well, which uh, does that little does that thing and interrupts with the podcast. I don't know if 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 you're precious about that thing. A, don't listen to this podcast, and B, just keep that in mind. But at the end of the day, fuck off, it's free, you know? Alright, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, let's have a chat with Andy Bull. I'm David James Young, and all my friends are in bar bands. Today, I would like to introduce you to my friend, Andy Bull. Hey, hey, what's happening? How you doing, buddy? I'm pretty good, man. How about you? I am fantastic. Thank you for asking. (laughs) We're in Wollongong. We are at the University of Wollongong, my old uni, and a place I've seen you play quite a few times, sir. Yeah, so you went here? Yeah, from 2009 to 2011, I did a bachelor of journalism here. Is it weird kind of coming back? It so is. Oh my god, especially seeing kids like younger than my younger brother's age yeah yeah like it's just like because you always envision them as like little babies yeah it continues that just goes on your final year of uni oh god i'm so old yeah that doesn't stop me (laughs) it really doesn't it gets worse it gets so much worse you are in the midst of the uh of a national tour in support of a single off your record yeah uh, with the with the lovely cub sport from brisbane that's right how the how the show's been going so far pretty good I and mean, we only just started so we did Adelaide and uh, Melbourne last week and it was good we've got a new bass player playing with us um, this is first tour with you guys yeah first first tour with us and it's doing great and it's nice to kind of have that new um, new sort of well it's like he's a bass player right and last yeah. time this, his name is Luke it's the first time I played with a bass player in like in years like seven yeah, or eight yeah. years so it's kind last of last time would have been with uh, Jenko Dave Jenkins Jr., oh, yeah, friend no, of the show. Yeah, yep, actually, that's right. You're not wrong. So that was a <laughs> Which was actually ago. the last time that Ryan was on drums for you guys as well. That's right. Yeah, 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 good memory. Having Luke, it's like kind of changed the approach to the rhythm section a lot. So it's much more like uh, we don't have like quite so many C's of synthesizers and stuff as we did before Luke was in. We had a guy called um, Ned Cook who plays in Dappled Cities. He's yeah, yeah. an absolute legend and a... Um, good friend and everything like that but he just sure, wasn't yeah. available for this tour but we used to for that setup it was much more synth heavy and a lot of textures and kind of patty textures and yeah. sort of soaring lead lines and stuff and that's not there now and we what we've got instead is like a kind of a tighter punchier rhythm section so yeah, yeah. and neither is better or worse but it's just a really nice to have the kind of to play the songs again with a really fresh approach yeah absolutely so that's we're only this will be our third uh our third set with that kind of line up so I'm just kind of like getting into that that um that groove of things nice one now Andy Bull do you remember the first time that we met where was it was it in Wollongong or was it Bulli it was neither really <laughs> see it's been too many years it man. really has it was in Nowra Nowra oh yes no on the Tim Finn tour yeah, it was man. 2009 oh shit yeah now yeah, I, no, I I remember that very well god yeah. far out that's like that's like it's like a paradigm shift back then. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think uh, you and Michael Stipe and Andrew Stockdale are people that you can note the career trajectory of 
given their hair at the time. Uh, you were true. you were still rocking the mop top at that point. Yeah, I had like bangs and a yeah long hair. Gosh, man, I wouldn't gorgeous. go. I wouldn't go. Oh, that's kind. It was <laughs> fuck. It was a pain in the ass, man. It's like it's just like too high maintenance. Seriously, and I was working in. in catering a lot of the time yeah right i was you know always carrying food around and i was you know working in front of hot ovens and stuff like that all day long mm. and then had you know like shoulder deep in a dirty grimy sink you know cleaning out. and it was just nasty and having long hair it just meant you had like just greasy locks whipping you in the yeah. face and you're always hot under that thing man i should have cut that years before i did <laughs> yeah totally yeah. and you were uh you're on tour with Tim Finn, which is a pretty remarkable thing. You know, not many people get to say they've toured with the Finn brother, you know, especially mm. at your age at the time. You know, it must have been a, a pretty cool experience to, to play with someone of such stature. Oh, absolutely. Tim was a cool guy, and it was really nice to to sort of be on that tour. And people are still, like, just so devoted to Tim as well. Like, yeah. I mean, he has some pretty hardcore fans that have been fans for, like, 30 years. Yeah, for more. sure. Just that kind of legacy... And those songs that are just somehow... It's really amazing when a song, and he's written these sorts of songs, can be... They're like, they're a hit in their time or whatever, but somehow they... They keep resonating or they they were... Had such an impact that that there's kind of... They become legacy things. So like he'll Mm. play songs that are... Something about them still feels like worthy or worthwhile. Yeah. And I don't know how many songs do any of us write that will that could be be like that. Yeah. But he's he's been doing it a long time. Absolutely. And he's, he's kind of you know he's not easily impressed by it all. So I think he <laughs> does maybe well maybe he does sort of see the magic in all that. Like I was talking about like having those songs and that sort of having that place in people's minds. Maybe I'm sh- I'm sure he he appreciates it. But yeah. he's just been living it for a long time. Yeah. Was, yeah. For sure. So at that point, uh, this is, it, I guess if you if you listened and and saw the guy that you were at that point, and you saw and listened to the guy that you are now, you'd just be like, Fuck, no way, is that the same guy? You, you know, maybe you'd be able to hear bits and pieces in the voice and stuff like that. But uh, mm. it was a very different time, you know. You were covering the shins, you know. Yeah. You were. I would still have. I would still happily stuff. cover the shins, though. I still <laughs> think the shins are excellent. Oh yeah, but, for um, sure. But uh, not sure how well it would fit into the set these days, yeah, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, it was just a very different time. Just like even personally, but just the, I guess the things I was thinking about musically, what I was focused on. Yeah. Just all very, very different things. I haven't brought a lot of those things with me. I'll have to, like I would say, like a lot of kind of ideas I had about music and I have, I ditched a lot of them or they kind of, they peeled off along the way. And, but I can't like feel too bad about it because it's all part of whatever little, you know, little experiment you're on. You know, yeah. you kind of like find, you're always finding your way. It's a pretty divergent route to wherever you are. Mm. But um, I think if I, I think if I saw myself like then, if my present self saw my past self, I probably I I just cringe. I'd probably pretty <laughs> really? yeah, like I don't know. But that's all right. That's kind of part of it, really. It, it's, is it because you just had such a connection to to what you were doing at the time? You're just like really like obviously like on like sets in sets these days, you, you you obviously don't play anything from your first record, yeah, or your your first EP or whatever have you. Yeah, by that stage, that record came out. I'd been making music for a little while and just gone through so many things and mm. um, like musically, I mean, ideas and stuff. And that album was kind of a weird one to 
debut on because, in a sense, I felt like I was sort of writing music for someone else, really. Like, it was really? a bunch of music for, like, other people. And so it was a weird one to kind of lead out with as my, on, as my own. And it didn't really, re- like, it didn't really resonate because it kind of sort of just sunk into nothing which is totally it's good I'm actually really glad for that fact because <laughs> it's like those songs don't really they don't mean anything to me now I felt like I still had a long long way to go in terms of being a lyric writer as well so maybe had strong melodies and stuff or nice chord progressions but mm. aesthetically like I don't think I was singing very like I, I don't think I was singing very well I've seen in a very particular style that I just exactly sure what I was thinking at the time but then also lyrically I don't think I was actually saying anything so the the intervening years like between now and then just a little bit more life lived a little bit more kind of thoughts about things a little yeah. bit more to say yeah just a gradual evolution of, of of an approach and all that sort of thing yeah yeah that tour that like for instance that Tim Finn tour we were doing like like it was a weird show like I was doing solo and it was kind of like I was sort of like telling jokes and stuff, you know what I mean? It was, yeah. it was like half a stand-up routine. Mm. And then, because I was sort of making fun of myself on stage as well. And, all that. and yeah. then, at a point, that stuff just didn't seem necessary anymore. I think that was the point when the song started actually kind of being a bit more, I don't know, compelling or something. Yeah, okay. Anyway, but yeah. Yeah, okay, so let's take it back to the beginning. Music was something that came through your family, like... Uh, oh, in a way. They? Yeah? Uh, yeah, yeah, but maybe not so, like... My, you know, my I mean, your dad was involved with, with music a bit, wasn't he? Yeah, but just as like a hobby sort of thing. So yeah. I didn't have, I wasn't from like a musical, um, like my, my parents were band, like touring bands or anything like that. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, sure. Or had like recording careers or anything like that. So you never kind of viewed music as something you could actually like do as a job, so to say? I think I really wanted it to be. When mm. I, I started thinking about it in those terms when I was about maybe 14 or 15. Yeah. And, um, and what was inspiring you to, to make music at that time? Like, who were you, who were you like, inspired by or influenced by? Was it well, something you saw or were you just well, like, fuck, I, I want to be like that? Yeah, I, mean, I think there was just so many things because at that time, when you first really start listening, and I think I, when you start kind of investigating and, and, and trying to find sounds and it becomes exciting to you, it really hits you hard. Like, yeah, yeah. as a teenager, and you know, it's kind of like... You, your store opens to a world and you just want to go deep into it so there was so much there was so much and like stuff that had been floating around the house like kind of more classic 70s rock stuff you know yeah, and, yeah. like you know Pink Floyd and all that sort of thing but mm-hmm. then I got really into there was like a soul thing like a neo soul thing happening at that time oh yeah like, like D'Angelo oh, was a yes. big one big big one for me and um Voodoo, man fucking hell yeah and Erica Badu and, and didn't you used to cover Untitled yeah way oh, back in the man. day yeah I couldn't do that with a straight face now but like like 10 years ago yeah we used to do that because it was you know it was hated only just sort of coming back you do at the time yeah it was timely yeah, yeah. yeah. so that stuff was big to me but in, t- in terms of being a piano player like I mean I don't really listen to this so much now I haven't really for a long time but at the time I was really into Ben Folds 5 because it was like yeah, a piano yeah. player you know so I, I listened to that and and, um, and then also incorporating piano into rock music as yeah. well. Which and was, he kind yeah. of seemed to have a sense of humour as well, which, yeah. was, which was a nice kind of antithesis to maybe like the new metal thing that was happening. You know, oh, like, yeah. Because it was like... New soul and new metal. Just. I know. I know you couldn't have two more different things. I guess yeah. they both took themselves quite seriously, maybe. Was oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, um, yeah. It was a strange time, wasn't it? Yeah. So it was that sort of stuff, I guess. When do you start performing? Like, at, at what age do you start, like... 
performing live and playing shows and stuff like that. Was it through high school? Like, were you in bands in high school? Not have really. you always been like focused on on solo stuff? I wasn't. Re- I don't think I really had a band in high school. I remember like, kind of jamming with people sometimes, but I never didn't have like a a band. Like, you know, my guitarist Alex, he always had a band in high school. Yeah, yeah, sure. All those guys, all the guys that play, we sort of did. But I don't think I. I don't really have. A band. Was that something you wanted to do, or like was it uh, yeah, were you more focused on? on I would, your I would own have stuff? liked to have had a band. I think I was kind of mucking around with my first attempt at songwriting and stuff like that. Yeah, um, I don't think I performed publicly till maybe I was eighteen. I think okay, eighteen or nineteen. That was just after just after school. Right. Um, we used to do gigs in like Kings Cross. There was a bunch of gigs in Kings Cross we used to do in Sydney. Yeah, like uh, place called Candy's Apartment used to have residencies. Oh yeah, there. yeah, sure. A place called Ruby Rabbit, which doesn't exist anymore, which was on Oxford Street. We used to go there, do some residencies there. Beach Road used to have some good gigs, like because people would just go. It was free. Yeah, yeah. So, do you remember the first show that you ever played? Uh, I can't remember exactly what it was. It would have been one of those shows then, like maybe it was Candy's Apartment or maybe it was Beach Road Hotel. I don't remember what order they were in. Yeah, it yeah. just all blur, goes into a blur. Yeah, it was you know it was a really exciting time and yeah. nerve wracking as well. Those first sort of shows, like it's so everything is so new. Mm. Like just what are you expected to do on stage? Like what are you doing exactly there? Like <laughs> is that something you've you've like had issues with over the years? Like you, you like you said you know like making jokes at your expense and you know like getting the elephant out of the room in early shows and stuff like that. No, I mean I wouldn't say I had issues with them, but there, there's a little bit of an art to it. Like and and it changes depending on what kind of show. Because if you're doing a support show, for example, yeah, yeah, like there's a very that's a very different thing to if you're doing a headline show. Like if you if you're doing it like again going back to that Tim Finn show or any of the like the hundreds of support shows I used mm. to do, people don't don't necessarily know who you are. And yeah. don't necessarily care either. So yeah. you, you're there and it's not a hostile environment, but it's maybe in a different one. So you've got to look for what works and what kind of it feels good doing up there and that that's just different depending on what the context is. Like and then when you start headlining your own shows and then as the shows get bigger, that changes as well. And then festival shows are something else yeah, altogether. Yeah, yeah. But I think just when I first finished, it was like when I sorry when I first finished school and I started playing shows. Yeah, I wasn't. Sh- I just it was just such a new experience, like having people in a room there to listen to. You yeah. kind of like gotta get comfortable with it in a yeah, way. Yeah, totally. Were these solo shows, or were you playing with with like a backing band at this uh, point? I had a band at that time. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, were those just guys that you knew just by playing throughout the Sydney scene or with friends of friends or like uh, how, did, how did those like original lineups just together? some dudes I was working with at the time really like there was um, what were you where were you working oh, I just mean like just they just were guys from the Sydney scene like and they yeah, were just right. people who kind of were in the band yeah, yeah I, I, don't, right. I don't know it's sort of a hard one to remember but like it was I was working with like you know, in the studio with other people at a time, and yeah. it was sort of I had different. It was just a very different time, like a lot of different pe- people surrounded it back then, and and kind of all that all that changed. So now, yeah. it's, and it's a very different experience putting together a band now than it was then. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Can you recall touring for the first time? Like, obviously, you know, you were very ingrained in that Sydney scene for a while. You know, playing every other place every other night you know like when did it start expanding out and you know playing around different other cities and towns etc i remember doing heaps of 
solo touring. I don't, yeah, I don't right. really remember why. It was like in, like supporting other people, I think. Yeah, right. The bit where I really first remember touring is maybe the... I supported Little Red, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. like, 2008 or something. Yeah, which yeah. were that band from Melbourne who were kind of doing, like, garage rock sort of stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, they were a big deal for quite some time. Yeah, you know? they kind of did their they did their thing and then it and did, you know, it kind of unfortunately ended with them uh, not existing anymore. But yeah. I think that was it. That was, like, the first one I really remember. And then I, uh, I supported after that, like... Lisa Mitchell I think that was the next one. Oh yeah And then after that I just did heaps and heaps I think man I think that's the order I can't fucking remember It's, yeah. been, it's been so many shows And I did heaps Of touring solo And then I got Played heaps with, In like a duo Just me and Alex Who's still playing with me Yeah yeah And then Dave Jenkins Played drums for a while And we did trio stuff For ages But yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of All the haze now man But there were heaps Of shows there have been a lot of shows, but then I, I took some time off as well after all that. So, and what influenced that was it a matter of just like reassessing what you wanted out of out of playing and making music? Uh, I because th- you, you said before, like essentially, where too young is, is an identity crisis. You know, you weren't sure who you're making music for. You know, did you have to kind of reevaluate that? Yeah, I think that I wanted to just very hard to remember now I played a lot of gigs just mm. trying to remember and then I felt like that was enough gigs for now yeah right uh, and then I wanted to do some other stuff and I started working doing like I was doing a lot of catering and I was doing some like graphic designing type stuff I was really enjoying all of that yeah did you kind of feel like you were done with music for now like was it or did you I ever take... not, no not, no not really no no I would never say that so because I mean Music is something you do your... I mean, you can do your whole life. Like yeah, the, So sure. that was always the way I thought about it. Like, I, didn't have, I never really thought I would not be, like, a, a musician. Like, I love, I love making music. So, and that was always the case, even when maybe there weren't gigs there to do. Like, mm. I, yeah, I just did some other stuff, and then I just felt like doing some more music again. That's mm. basically the kind of boring version of it, but... <laughs> I mean, was there a, was there a breaking point? Like, was there like a particular show or a particular thing that happened where you're just like, I need to take a step back from this? Oh, uh, not. There was never really one thing. By the end, there was you know, there's always there's always hard shows like yeah, where you just go like, because at the time I wasn't necessarily like I didn't feel like I had a big pool of my own stuff to draw on that I really enjoyed playing as well. Oh, really? So sometimes yeah. that was like. You go, like, what am I doing? And then heaps of shows where no one comes, and that can get a little bit tiring sometimes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, uh, even, like, some support shows, there'd be not very many people there. Like, who did I... There was some Canadian guy, I can't remember his name. Band, is Dan Mangan or something Yeah, like yeah, that. I, know, I know Dan. Yeah, so even on some of those shows, like, you know, we played, like, Katoomba, and there's, like, four people there. So that, yeah. that stuff can get a little bit tiring, like, a bit boring, you know what I mean? There, but there was never, like, a breaking point. I think it just naturally petered off, and I... And then I just really enjoyed working. I really enjoyed working and kind of making a living and all that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, just doing other bits of life that unrelated to music. Yeah, it was a good time. It was a kind of a good time, really. And yeah. then And then I just felt like there was time. To, I kind of wanted to try some music again. Yeah. Like try. Okay. I mean, as in try recording and releasing yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that'd be it, really. So, uh, when did Alex kind of come into the the fray? Like, because, uh, like you said, you've been playing with him for five years or so now. Yeah. Like, um, oh, how did how did that uh, relationship start up? 
I met him because he had a band at the time who were playing around the place. Ah, uh, yeah, Slow Down Honey. That's the one, yeah. Yep. And I just met him through that, like I maybe saw him at a show or something like that. And I need, I was gonna, I was, oh, what was it? I was gonna go on tour. I was gonna play some shows. I don't ask me to remember like why, but there was like <laughs> a, a small run I was gonna do, maybe for the Phantom Pain CP or something. And yeah, basically, yeah. the band fell through at the last minute. Oh, for real? Uh, and. Alex, well, I'd, I'd asked Alex to be a part of that band, and then there was like big availability issues with the two other guys who were at the time were in a band called Deep Sea Arcade. Oh yeah, so Nick and Carlos. That's right. Yeah, I don't know what's happening there. They were getting busy or something like that, and there was like a whole bunch of shows they couldn't do. So I just canned it, and I just said, Alex, let's just do all this as a duo. That way, we're not changing the show each night. We'll just do the one kind of show. Just yeah. hanging on. So that was Fan of Pain's time, I guess. And we just started playing together. And we had rough shows, we had great shows, we had yeah. a lot of fun. But the, the best bit was just, like, hanging out with Alex, really. Like, kind of, you know, all the travel. Because we drove around the country, you know. We drove from Sydney to Melbourne to Adelaide, Brisbane. We did all that in, in my little old station wagon. So the yeah, best yeah. bit was just kind of hanging with Alex and just talking shit a lot. And yeah. listening to, you know, CDs and the CD player and trying to find cups of coffee along the way yeah you know yeah yeah absolutely and then and then Dave who, who was the drummer he got on board I guess like you know a hundred odd shows into that and then um, it kept, the good times kept rolling yeah for sure you guys were you guys were unstoppable for a while I used to see you guys play so so much all yeah. over the shop yeah, yeah. We did, I guess we did a lot of shows yeah. yeah a lot man like and around that point like things are starting to pick up like audience wise for you guys like a, like I guess with Phantom with the release of the Phantom Pain do Pain Dog in particular you know that really yeah, yeah, yeah. that really kind of expanded the audience after playing for so long and playing music that you you weren't certain about when it when it came to having an expanded audience and, and playing this song that you clearly put a lot into, you know, did, did you feel kind of vindicated that after this hard work and indecision you'd, you'd found something at, at the very least at that point? It's hard to say, really. I definitely knew it was nice to have a song that people knew. Yeah, sure. Like, so when you go to play a show, it's always just nice to have... It just makes it a little bit easier. Like, when you've got a song people know. Yeah, it's just a, there's at least one thing in the set they're going to enjoy or at least recognise. Yeah. And when you're kind of, like, totally unrecognisable, it's nice. It is sometimes useful to have something that is recognisable. So, yeah, it was still pretty humble, though. Like, it's still... That song... A lot of people have, you know, written to me about that song and stuff over the years, but it was, it's not, you know... The shows were still pretty pretty humble definitely like I remember playing up in, in Newcastle with Spooky Land who was still kicking who I think are awesome they really like Spooky Land yeah yeah and the two of us like Spooky Land and us we played this show in Newcastle mm-hmm. and it was around the time that Dog was happening and Spooky Land were getting a lot of FBI plans right yeah sure but it's still like there was like six people in the audience so it was, yeah. still, it was still pretty quiet honestly like that song yeah it was good to have but it's not like didn't uh, it wasn't like major? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, did you notice a, a change in the audience as, as you know, I guess the the touring progressed and you know you were kind of getting into full swing of the EP? 
Well, there was maybe a little bit of an audience there. That was the difference. Like, there was a, there was a small audience there, whereas before there had been, like, none. There'd been no audience at Literally all. no one. Literally no one, yeah. yeah. And I think that was the first time we actually started doing... I started doing headline shows as opposed to supports because I hadn't really done any mm. headline shows before then. Yeah. Was that, a, was that an interesting change for you? Like, knowing that people... Even no matter how many were were coming to see you, you know that was your name at the top of the bill. Yeah, yeah, but weirdly, it's still it's it's that seems more novel to me now than it did then. I don't yeah. know why. Um, at the time, it was nice to have people there, but I still I don't know. I just maybe I still wasn't really connecting. Like, how do I say this? It's a really hard one to answer, but I definitely feel like now, like there's heaps more people, and it feels more novel. To, like it feels newer to me than. Than having people show up back then, yeah. I still like I just just because there's been so much time now, I really know what it's like to play to no one or play to a few people, and yeah. I, and so now if people come to the show, which they do a lot now, it's yeah, like yeah. really it's really nice. Yeah, yeah. I, just, yeah. I really um, kind of feel a lot of gratitude for that. I can imagine, absolutely. Yeah. We mentioned the, the very drastic difference between, like, uh, We're Too Young and the stuff you're doing now, but, like, there's even there's even a bit of a change between uh, the Phantom Pain stuff and what and what you're doing now. Where did you start picking up more interest in, like, I guess more, like, the, the darker, more electronic side of things? I think, feel like it happened just a, around the time I was actually doing Phantom Pains I, was st- I had you know bought a synthesizer and was starting to muck oh, around yeah, with yeah, it oh yeah that's right I remember that and I think those sounds just like really resonated with me uh, and they still do that's the thing they still sound really fresh to me now um, and I'm still using those sounds and I felt like well this was it was nice to stumble upon a sound that somehow felt special to, or or unique or, or somehow managed to say something or emote something in a way that I hadn't really been able to do before with an instrument. So, mm. like, sometimes people say, oh, you've got a real sound now. Mm. But that, I think, and that only happened kind of after Phantom Pains, like, kind of gradually getting my head around some new technology and stuff like that that helped me to sort of articulate emotionally what it was I was trying to articulate. Yeah. So was there a lot of experimenting... Like it shows, like I remember, you know, yeah. when you brought that in for the first time and you were experimenting with like the the drum machine on it and, yeah, you yeah. know, like the various tones and things like that. Yeah. Like you could even hear that in like some of the super early stuff, like before the Sea of Approval stuff started coming yeah. through, like, you know, like penny drops and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So it was, um, it's true. We started to kind of muck around with some, like I brought a dr- drum machine live on stage a few times and... And some other sort of sounds, and the, the keyboard sound that I was using a lot live, yeah. even when I was doing Phantom Pain stuff, was this kind of weird detuned 80s electric keyboard sound mm. that I still use. So it was kind of reinventing those songs anyway. So I was playing maybe more traditional folky kind of stuff, but it had this slightly warped 80s kind of daytime TV feeling. Like, yeah, right. Um, and that sort of naturally led me to keep looking in that direction because I really loved the way those sounds were making everything sound kind of sad but kind of naive as well like it was a particular kind of sweet spot that was sort of bittersweet that those sounds were kind of taking me to yeah and the live show obviously changed accordingly going from having just the three of you you know to expanding out and having more synthesizers and more pedals and stuff on stage like uh, how did you how did you go about creating that like did you just think okay so this is the direction we're heading in we need to kind of expand on what we've got now 
we did it piece by piece, and we always try to keep it just as simple as we can do it. Basically, if you yeah. get if you fall too much in love with gadgets or the appearance of gadgets and stuff like that, it's just a bum path to go down. Like you'll see it, some new bit of technology will come into fashion, and then everyone's got whatever it is. So there was a time when everyone in the band like had a, this years ago. Every, everyone had a, like a bloody glockenspiel or a floor tom at the front oh, of stage. Oh, I totally remember that. Yeah, yeah. so there's all... See, that's the same sort of thing. So you got to just be careful that you're not just <laughs> just doing something. You guys never did that, thankfully. No, we never, we never did that. Because um, <laughs> everyone was trying to be fucking Ginger Safari or Animal Collective or some shit. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> These things kind of come in and out of fashion. Yeah. So you, un, you use the tools that are actually relevant and you, the only way you do that, as far as I can tell, is you got to keep in mind like the essential essence of what it is you're doing yeah. so for me it's songwriting like yeah. so gadgets and whatever and all this kind of shit it's like fine but if there's not a song that they're like that they're kind of exalting or whatever you want to say then there's no point in them being there yeah like, so I was trying stuff to find out what that would be like how I would do that how would I how would I make that come to life as simply as possible? And I feel like I've got to like a fairly good place with it now. Like, yeah. Do you think now is the best time to, to see an indie bull show? Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, considering how far you've come and how far the show itself has developed? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've. I feel like I've been pretty proud of the show for a little while now, like, since the album came out. We did an album tour, and I thought yeah. the show was really good then. And we did a laneway, and I thought that was we did a really good show then. And then we've got this tour, and I think the show's really good now. So I feel like for the last two or three tours in particular, it's kind of it's been translating really well, and it's yeah. been really fun for, for me to do on stage and fun for the band. To yeah. Know, so we were talking about the context of the live shows before. Like, uh, how do you guys <laughs> approach uh, festival shows now? Like, because obviously you're you're inclined towards more playing things that people know and you've got less time than you would a headlining show yeah well you, it's you, it's mainly the way you structure the set that has to change like yeah. you just have if you've got like it's as simple as like if you've got songs that people know like just play them you know? yeah so um, or pepper them throughout the set and you just got to keep the just knowing that some of the subtlety is going to be lost yeah um, you got to kind of just think about that when you're putting a set together yeah um, I think that's that's basically it but you, you know you can't you can't be too cynical about it you, and you can't you like I don't know you still have to do what really rings your bell but just knowing that there's it's a certain context and some things carry and some things don't yeah for sure okay so we'll wrap up before we do that I ask this of all of my guests and it's your turn now Andy yeah yeah <laughs> I would like to know about the best and worst live show experiences that you have ever had as a performer as feel, a performer Damn. feel free to start on either role Man, it's such a hard question because it's just, there's been so many of yeah. both. Like so many, so many experiences are just like were just mental. Like the first shows I ever did, they blew my mind like completely. And then yeah. there were support tours where even those were absolutely amazing. And then there's been so many since then. And then so many where everything's like fucked up or like the, something's broken, but there's also a bad vibe in the room or. Like, that doesn't happen so much now, but worse ones are... Oh, it's Man, it's such a hard question. I just yeah. think early on, when you've been booked, like, fucking drive out to somewhere, and the yeah. booking agent's like, oh, do this show, and you get there, and it's, no one has come, and you kind of hate what you're playing. Like, 
that was a bad thing to experience. But that that yeah, that hasn't sure. happened for a while now. But well, that's good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's mostly good now, man. It's my, and even when it's bad, it's still good now. Like even when things like go haywire or whatever, it's still good. Like it's just really good. And and you're incredibly optimistic about it. <laughs> I I've got every I think got every reason to be. Like it's just it's mostly pretty good. And that's the thing is when you can I just really like being. I love being on stage. So even when it's like bad, it's just still good to be on stage. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's a wonderful note to go out on. Yeah. Andy, thank you so much for your time, my friend. It's a pleasure, man. So, uh, see of approval, out still. Yeah, uh, out still. Know. Until yeah. the end of time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is there any plans for new material in the works at the moment? Or I will see where the spirit leads, brother. But <laughs> I think so, yeah. Fingers crossed. All right, Andy, thank you so much, man. Cool. Thanks, David. I'm David James Young, and all my friends are in Barbell. This has been a David James Young Writes production. For more information, visit davidjamesyoung.com.